Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your surf instructor, your airplane pilot, or your Uncle Bill. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing so well. So we love answering your questions. Please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump or email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. You can email us your thoughts on our answers too. We love to hear from you. So I have a question for you today before we answer our listener questions. And it is, who is your favorite superhero, Liz? Do I have a favorite. Do you have a favorite? Um, I mean, I have. Yeah, I okay. think I, I got one. Okay. Yeah. Just as long as you can answer. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> so I have to say, it's it's kind of a toss-up between Superman and Wonder Woman. Oh. I know, I'm DC. Okay. But because I love Superman, like, growing up when I used to watch the TV show when it was on. And I loved Superman. Like, that was, like, I had Superman S's all over everything. Oh. But then I saw the Wonder Woman movie like a few years ago, and I just think she's amazing. Like when she puts her cuffs on and she's like bouncing bullets off of them. No, like, oh my god. uh, Okay, I love Wonder Woman. Who do who do you love best? This isn't going to surprise you, Liz, because I feel like we're always opposite. But I'm Marvel. Oh, of course, all the way. I get it. So I have never actually never seen. I didn't know she bounced uh, bullets off her cuffs. I thought you were just punch air punching me over there, but really you were shooting bullets at yeah. me. Okay. So I, it's a toss up for me too, but I think that, I think that Captain America is my favorite superhero. Okay. I just, I really love all the Captain America movies the best and I just think he's really cool. Okay. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. I do. That's my. And do you know I never watched superhero movies growing up, and I watched my first superhero movie in 2020. I just powered through all of the Marvel movies, all of them. Yes, they're so good. They're so good. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so I I think superheroes are more fun than I than I even knew. Right. Yeah. Awesome. But I have a question from a listener too. You do? I do. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. It's from Aviana, and she is from our Wyoming branch. And Aviana asks, why are the tops of some waves white? Okay. Do you know what kind of question this is, Liz? Um, well, it's about the... Uh, well, no, no, I don't. Sorry. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's a physics uh, <laughs> question. Jill, those are your favorites. <laughs> I, you know, I I just learn a lot about physics in this uh, podcast research. I, see, now, uh, right away, I was thinking it was going to be like a weather-related question, because I know you love weather. So it is a little bit of a weather-related question. Okay. This ties into two different podcasts that we have covered recently. So that's exciting. So I learned a lot of interesting information about waves while I was doing research for this question. But before I get into that, I just wonder, this is a question that, that you can answer. It's not a trick question. Do you like waves? Are you like a play in the wave oh, kind of person? for sure. Yes. It's really fun. Yeah. And I have great memories of like crashing through the waves, you know, when I was a kid. So. Yeah. I think what's so neat about living in Michigan is that we have Lake Michigan waves, which are exciting. Yeah. um, And we don't have to go all the way to the ocean. No. We have great waves here. We do. So let's talk about how waves work. 
There are actually a few reasons why waves are generated, but the most common and actually the only reason I'm going to talk about today is wind, which we so talked about it recently. It is weather, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it right? is weather. Okay. Yep. Waves form when wind gusts downward on the water, displacing the water. Oh. And this ties back into episode 29, where you talk about water displacement with cruise ships. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's what's happening with waves. The wind is pressing down and then the force of the water um, p- pushes the wind. There's another thing that's also happening with the wind. The wind is going across the top of the water and dragging some water particles along with it. So it's the combination of those two things that going across the top of the water and pressing down to create the waves. And scientists don't even fully understand how the combination of those two forces work. They don't fully understand yet. I'm always intrigued when I'm reading an article and it says scientists aren't totally sure about this because it just... (laughs) Me too. You think they're the experts, but they don't know everything. Exactly. (laughs) And there's still things to be studied about wind and water and waves. Maybe one of our listeners will grow up and study waves. That would be so cool. (laughs) So waves have some distinct parts that are all measurable by scientists. The waves have their highest part, that's called the crest, and the lowest part, that's called the trough. Scientists measure waves from crest to trough, that's the wave's height, how high a wave is. They also measure from crest to crest, from one wave to the next, or they can measure from trough to trough of one wave to the next, and that's called wavelength. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, the length of the wave. Yep. And then the final thing that they measure is... um, They just call it the period, and it's the amount of time. It's a measurement of time. So they have a fixed point, and they measure how long it takes the full wave to pass that fixed point. Okay. So those are the three ways that scientists measure waves. So wind waves that we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. remember waves can be generated other ways. Wind waves are really interesting because there's a certain amount of randomness to wind waves. No matter what the wind speed is, um, waves can reach different heights. Mm -hmm. They can have different wavelengths. They can take different amounts of time to pass the fixed point. That's why when you're playing in the waves, all of a sudden you get a really (laughs) big one come out of nowhere. Yeah, because it's um, it's not like this is how much the wind is going. Every wave is the same. They're all different. So that's the randomness that comes in, which is exciting. So what are those white caps and when do they appear? So white caps occur when the waves are high enough. So that means that the wind speed is going to be higher, more wind speed, more pressure on the water, and then your waves are higher. The wave breaks, that's the actual terminology that Mm -hmm. that you use when you see those white caps as a break. The wave breaks and it creates the white water we see. We can see those those wave breaks or the white water out if you look out in the lake, but you can also see it right on the shore. Have you ever noticed that when oh, it for sure. crashes on the shore that it's, it looks white to us? And sometimes it surprises you because you think it's not going to crash into your, you know, new tennis shoes, but then it does. Well, that's because it's random. <laughs> it's random. <laughs> that, that random piece was so interesting to me because so many things in nature are so ordered. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how ants do their work, and this is how trees do their work. But waves are just like, we do what we want. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I imagine it's affected by like boats going by too. Yeah. To kind of like mess up the order of things. Right. That's true. And actually they're, they're all, they're affected by the wind, of course, but it's also affected by the water's own motion. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's a combination of those two things. That's why if the wind stops quickly, the waves still go for a little bit because they keep moving. Sure. Um, so, okay, let's get back to Sorry. break of wave. No, it's I distracted okay. It's exciting. <laughs> um, so why is it called a break? It's because the gravity is working on that wave that's so high up in the air, and it's really breaking up the water. So what you're, what you're seeing is that wave gets to a certain height, the water becomes unstable, gravity is pulling the water down, and the crest of the wave, that top part, breaks apart into a mass of droplets and bubbles. And when they scatter around, when those droplets and bubbles scatter around, the surrounding light in every direction creates what we see as white caps. So it looks white to us on the top because it's too heavy and it's breaking apart. Wow. I know. So that is, uh, sometimes too, there is like some sea foam in there and you'll see that like we'll gather on, on the, um, uh, on the side of the beach where the waves are crashing. Um, and that is like algae and other things in there. But what you're seeing out there, that's just light. It's just the wave just breaking apart and it's light and bubbles. I had no idea. I know. I think if you look at it close up, you can see those little bubbles in there at the crest of the wave. The size of the waves and the white caps are dependent on many factors. The number one factor being the speed of the wind. So you're most likely to see the biggest white caps on a windy day. Like a red flag day at Lake right. Michigan. Right. Don't go in the Don't water. Don't go in the water. Just watch from outside far <laughs> enough not to get your tennis <laughs> shoes wet. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> I know. I love to look at Lake Michigan on a red flag day. Um, but also depends on how far the water can, or, I'm sorry, I wrote water in my notes, but it should say wind. It also <laughs> depends on how far the wind can blow over the water. So you can see whitecaps on like a smaller inland lake, but it's going to be less common because more whitecaps can form when the wind can blow a further distance nice. over the water. So on the ocean, there's almost always whitecaps. Mm-hmm. And on a big lake like like Michigan, there's often whitecaps because mm-hmm. there's just a really big surface of water for the wind to blow over. And also the depth of the water makes a difference for your white caps. Mm-hmm. So that is why they're there. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, so much <laughs> physics. I didn't get into all of the physics pieces, but enough, I think. I think so. Yeah. I learned a lot. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you have a fact of the day for us? I Indeed, I do, Jill. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I found this book um, in the curious section of our nonfiction It's called 150 Happy Facts by The Happy Broadcast. So it's just a book full of facts, good things happening all over the world. It's got a happy cover, too. And the illustrations are delightful. I would highly recommend picking it up. So the happy fact that I found to share with you um, is actually, it's number 146 in this book. It's the city of Leicester in the United Kingdom is installing a new network of B bus stops that will be topped with a mix of flowers to encourage pollination. So in the UK, 
the bus stops have kind of, well, and here too, I would suppose, they have kind of a flat roof to them. Yeah, to keep so, rain off. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. sure, while well, you're yeah. waiting for the bus. Right. Um, so on top of that little flat bus stop, um, they're going to start planting um, wildflowers so that bees can stop and pollinate at the same time, helping make the city of Leicester a beautiful place to be. The local government says that the bee bus stops will also help absorb rainwater falling on the roof, among other positive environmental impacts. Isn't that idea? The bees need. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> wow, that's a great Wouldn't idea. Wouldn't that be great? I love that. I love that idea, too. We have to help those bees. We absolutely do. All right, well... I, I guess we're ready for my question. I'm are you, ready. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. My question comes from Hendrick, who is eight years old from Ada, and he asked, what is the busiest airport in the United States? And wow, am I fascinated by airports. I was super excited for this question. Um, before I tell you, I won't, I'm not going to spoil it just yet, but i um, I think I mentioned once before that I wanted to be a flight attendant when I was a kid. I remember. Um, because I just think that traveling all over the place, like walking around different airports. Do you like to go to different airports? Is I it do. just me? No, I like it. <laughs> They're like their own little city inside. Um, there's places to shop and places to eat. Um, and moving Roads. And move, moving walkways. Love that. <laughs> like, where else do you find stuff? I don't know. It's just, it's a unique experience when you go to an airport. Um, I was just in, oh gosh, where were we? In Houston, Texas. There was a live band playing in the middle of the airport, which... Oh, I've we, never seen that. It was great. It was it was really fast. I mean, you know, when you're going to be there for a couple of hours, why not sit and listen to some great music? Absolutely. Okay. So, the busiest airport in the world just happens to be in the United States. Oh, really? F- for real. Do you know, do you have a guess of what I, it could be? I do now. I wouldn't have guessed it, but Atlanta? It, it is, yeah. Oh. Hartsfield-Jackson, Atlanta, Atlanta International Airport, ATL. That is the busiest airport in the world. Oh, wow. I... Have, have you been there before? Like London? No, oh, I, no, I don't think I have. I haven't either. And yeah. I mean, I don't fly a whole lot, but I've never been through there. But the Atlanta International Airport has the most passengers. That's what um, they consider to be the busiest airport. So um, in 2022, this airport saw 93 million. 699, 630 passengers through the airport in a year, which is a staggering amount of people. But just to put it in perspective, in 2022, our Gerald R. Ford International Airport had 3,468,156 passengers. So like 30 times how many we had at our little airport. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. So I started thinking about some other unique airports that are in our country. Do you know what the largest airport is in the United States? This uh, is kind of a quiz for yeah, you, Jill. This is an exciting <laughs> quiz. I, I don't know, but I'm going to guess Denver. Oh, man, you're so smart. Is that right? <laughs> it is. Oh. Denver International Airport in Colorado spans 52.4 square miles. Whoa. I know. 
Um, you can see the front range of the Rocky Mountains from the airport. And also, I found out there's a talking gargoyle in one of its concourses, which I there's a lot of like, I don't know, there's a lot of stories about the Denver airport, but you can talk to a gargoyle in one of the concourses in oh. the Denver airport, and that it'll talk back to you, apparently, allegedly. <laughs> so I don't think we were in the Denver airport, and we heard there were these really neat murals, but it's hard to get from one concourse it's to another so there. It's cute. Well, 52.4 yeah. square miles, that's, uh, that's a lot of miles to walk. So I don't know if we were in the same concourse as the right. talking gargoyle. I don't know either. I've never seen it, but I, I imagine it's there. But but also, do you know what the newest airport is in the United oh, States? No. I think you got me on this one. <laughs> you definitely do. I don't even have a guess. It's also Denver. Oh, really? Yep. It was built in, or was opened in 1995. Oh, and wow. it's the newest major airport in okay. the United States. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what the smallest airport in the United States is? Um. Does Puerto Rico count? Um, well, that's not what I have on my list here. <laughs> so no, but, we'll okay. just say no. <laughs> it's <laughs> Dawson Community Airport in Dawson County, Montana, offers two flights a day to Billings, Montana. Oh, wow. And it covers about 0.65 square miles, and it is established as the smallest airport in the United States. Okay. <laughs> it's a little teeny tiny one. I bet you just... <laughs> Go right off the plane, right onto the road. Probably. <laughs> you just park your car right next to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So we talked that um, Denver's the newest air, major airport. The oldest airport in the United States is located in College Park, Maryland. So College Park Airport in Maryland was established in 1909. Oh, wow. It was a training location for Wilbur Wright. Okay. Of the Wright brothers, yeah. who instructed pilots on how to fly the government's first airplane oh. at that airport. Wow. And there were lots of other firsts in aviation there, including the first woman to fly a military aircraft in 1912 and the first helicopter flight in 1924 oh. flew out of that airport. That is cool. Can you visit that airport if you don't have a flight out? Like, is it a historic site? Do you know? I don't have that information. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. It just sounds like a really it neat It sounds like a really site. cool place to go. Yeah. Um, and so I was just thinking about other interesting places. If you're traveling maybe this summer or if you went somewhere over spring break, what some other cool airports might be to visit. Um, so I found that the Milwaukee General Mitchell International Airport. I've never been there. Have you been there, Joe? No, I haven't. Um, they actually, they made a spot to gather your belongings after going through security. You know, you have to put your shoes back on. You got to get your backpack. and Your it's, jacket. It's called the recom- recombobulation area. Oh, you know, that's you, a funny name. You say, like, I'm discombobulated when your stuff is up. So it's re combobulation and it's a phrase that actually showed up on jeopardy like it's it's an established you know area in this airport because um they made it up that's fun (laughs) i thought that was kind of funny airports creating vocabulary right um the portland international airport in portland oregon has a small 17 seat movie theater 
that shows free movies inside, like short films. Um, while you're waiting. While you're waiting. seventeen, You know, 17 seats. But if you're there for two hours, you might want to yeah. pop in and see a movie. That sounds nice. It does sound nice. Um, San Jose International Airport in California has a kids area where kids can listen on a telephone to conversations between the control tower and the pilots. Oh, Like when they're waiting to land or if they're waiting on the runway, you know, waiting for their turn to take off. You can just get on a phone and listen to their (laughs) conversations, which I thought as an adult, I would be interested in listening to too. But it's designed for kids. You just sneak in there. I, I might. <laughs> Sometimes you're there for a long time. True. So a lot of cool places. The last one I wanted to mention was the Dulles International Airport in Virginia has a kids play area designed by NASA. Oh. It features games, slides, and lots of interactive play. So that was the, the only one that I saw that was designed by NASA. That's pretty cool. That is cool. So lots of adventures you can have out there before you even get on the plane. Lots of cool airports around our country and all over the world. But Did you know that KDL has a little free library at the Grand Rapids Airport? I did know that. And not all airports have them because let no, me tell you, true. I always go out and look. I'm like, where's their little free library? No, we're pretty special to have one here at that's our, true. our little airport. Yeah, I, I, that's the first thing I do when I get through security. I got to go check the go little free library. See if there's something good to yeah. take on your flight. Although I have to say when we were in, mm, oh geez, I don't even remember where we were. I was just in Texas. So maybe we were in Houston. Um, the, you know, they have the little um, bookstores kind of in all their convenience shops. And yeah. um, the one bookstore, if you bought a book, you know, not borrowed from the free library, but paid for it and then returned it at a different location, you got like 50% off of what you paid. Like they gave it back to you and then they would give it to somebody else. So it's kind of like a lending library, but book sharing a little. Yeah. But you still have to pay for it. I mean, they're trying to make money, but that was the first time I'd seen that before. And then you can buy it again for half the price because it's already been read. Yeah. (laughs) I, I have definitely bought a book in in an airport before. Right, I, because I forgot one. you're desperate yeah. for something to read. You're yeah. there for a long time. You can be there for a long time, for sure. But, oh, I love airports. I love going places. Oh, me too. Going places <laughs> so fun. Speaking oh. of going places, yeah. I've read a book that is in a place that I think is kind of magical or uh, maybe fictitious. I I don't know. It felt like here now, Mm -hmm. but also not. Were the animals talking? (gasps) No, no. There were no talking animals. No talking animals. But the world around them was, it wasn't, it's not a fantasy book, but it did not feel exactly like how our world is today. Mm -hmm. So like a little magical. So I don't know if you could fly there. I don't think you can. You just have to go there in your imagination. (laughs) Fly in my imagination. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So this book is called Willow Dean. It's by Catherine Applegate. And Willow Dean is, uh, the cover will mislead you. And I thought Willow Dean was the name of the creature on the cover. It is not. Mm -hmm. It is an 11 year old girl who loves creatures, including the two creatures on the cover. And this is why the whole time I was reading it, I, was, I wasn't I was distracted by it because the story is very good. But I was thinking, 
where is this and when is it? Because there are some things that we have in our world today, like they were building a railroad, mm-hmm. um, but there weren't, um, you know, cell phones or it wasn't like this is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was <laughs> so I don't exactly know where it was. It's just in a kind of a magical area with these magical creatures. So Willow Dean studies these magical creatures. She wants to know everything she can know about them. And she even gets along better with the creatures than she does with people. Mm, That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) The land um, that she lives in has humming bears, which are adorable. They're like a combination between a hummingbird and a bear, and they're tiny like a hummingbird. Are there illustrations in the book? Yes. That's the best. I know. And the humming bear is right on the cover too and they're so cute they're like teeny tiny little furry bears with wings and they migrate so there's like you know things that are like animals like a you know butterflies migrate it reminded me of that Mm -hmm. or birds so they migrate so they come every year to her village and they have this big fair the humming bear fair (laughs) it's kind of hard to say I know I can't keep wanting to say humming bird because that's what's real in, in our world right but in her world there's this humming bear and they really have all of their economy is around this fair. It's how they make their money every year. All the tourists come. They're so excited to see all these humming bears and they're so cute. People are so excited about them. Um, But there's a problem. Oh no. There's been less and less of them every year. And it's up to Willow Dean to find out what is going on because she studies these creatures and she loves them. Uh, but then every, everybody loves the humming bears, but there are these other creatures. They're big and they're stinky. <laughs> I, I know that's such an interesting fact about them that <laughs> when you look at a picture of them, they're on the cover and they're also illustrated in the book. I think they're really cute, but people don't like them and it's mostly because they're stinky. So nobody in the town likes them. They also, they are called screechers and they are named that because they make loud screechy sounds during the night. Yeah. So the village people don't like them. They want to chase them away. Um, They don't like how they smell and they don't like the noises they make. So they are killing them off. I know it's real that part that part's really sad. So if you're really sensitive to that kind of thing, this might not be the book for you. Um, but Willow Dean loves them. She doesn't care that they stink. And she they're very shy creatures, so she just like hides and studies them and she has a notebook and she takes her scientific um ob- observations of these screechers. And then um she this story, I don't want to give too much away. Even things that happened at the beginning are kind of shocking. So I want to be careful about that. But this story is about Willow Dean finding a friend, a human friend, and not just creature friends, which she does have. Good for her. But she finds a human friend and she also finds her voice to speak up for the less than cute creatures. Mm. And that part is so great. And you are reading this book and you're like, so proud of Willow Dean for speaking up for these stinky creatures. There's also some magical elements to the story besides 
the creatures, which are obviously clearly magical. There's also some other magic, which that is a surprise. And then some really lovely relationships that form between Willow Dean and her caretakers and her new friend. I've read quite a few books by Catherine Applegate. She's really an author who cares about animals and she cares about nature and the environment. And that comes through in this book. Um, but not in a really pushy way, just in a, a way that you're like, oh yeah, we should care about creatures that aren't as cute as well. Because <laughs> you know, that does happen in our world too. So it was great. I loved it. And it was really, it was a little bit sad. So just be warned about that. There were some sad things that happened in this book, but also just really wonderful things. And it's just awesome to see an 11 year old girl like find her voice and fight for something she cares about. Sounds amazing. It was. Thanks for sharing that with us. Do do you have something maybe that you learned today, Jill, that you'd like to share with us? Oh, what did I learn today? Oh, okay. I loved your airport facts, and I... (laughs) I couldn't believe that I, I guess the first two airports, right? That was great. But the oldest airport, that is fascinating to me. I am really interested in that. Maybe you'll have to take a journey. I, I mean, I got to figure out how I can fly through there <laughs> so I can see it. It's probably kind of little. I guess I didn't look at how big it was, but I would imagine it's kind of little since it was so old. Yeah. Unless it's been, you know, updated. Yeah. It probably is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have that information. Sorry. That's Okay. <laughs> I'm really interested in that, though, historic uh, airport. That's really interesting to me. So what's something you learned today? I learned a lot about waves today, Jill. And I guess I I always imagined that they kind of followed a pattern, like a rhythm of some kind. And they really, I mean, maybe they do a little, but not not really. It's kind of random. random. Lots of different things affect their length. Yeah. (laughs) Their length and their height, both. Right. Yep. So I, I learned, and and that there's still a lot we don't know about them. I know. that, Which I always that enjoy. That was actually fascinating to me, because yeah. it seems like that's waves have been around for as long Forever. as we have. Yeah. yeah. So I thought we would know more about them. Right. Wow. I know. That was a tricky one for it, you. Then. Oh, <laughs> it kind of was a tricky one. I did link a video in, a, a Kids video about waves, which I think is really helpful. So. She did. All right. All right. Well, thanks for doing that. We appreciate it. <laughs> I guess that's it for today. Thanks for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world and the things in it. For more info, for more info to send, <laughs> send us to your own question, head to kdl.org slash stump. Tune in to the next episode where we answer even more of your questions. A huge and special thanks to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you.